I'm Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime, Crime New, New England. England. Welcome back to episode 10, the big 1-0. Very exciting. Hello. Yeah, we're super pumped to be here. Can't believe we've made it to 10 episodes, yeah. and I'm sure a lot of you are in agreement with that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You guys have been very supportive. We'll say it every time. Mm-hmm. We've gotten overwhelming love and support, and... We just love talking about true crime. So funny. I feel like the both of us have just been promoting it in, like, the funniest way. Yes. Oh, God. I went to um, kind of this, like, event in the park thing, and so I was talking oh. to a couple people, and someone mentioned... Oh, my God. It was so offhand. Someone had mentioned, like, a true crime documentary that mm-hmm. they saw, and I was like, oh, I I couldn't help overhearing that you, <laughs> <laughs> that you love true crime. Yeah. Um, funny. I actually... <laughs> co-host a true crime podcast you can find us on spotify <laughs> apple podcast or wherever else you like to listen oh my god <laughs> but that's they amazing. ended up um finding us on spotify and i think subscribing so amazing yeah and that's they said they tell their it. friends so yeah sometimes i feel obnoxious but no you know it's there are lots of people that love true crime i think so you just gotta find your people oh for sure i mean we're just starting out we gotta get get the love somewhere and if that's <clears throat> promoting it at shameless shameless like, who cares because in the end at the end of the day we have one true goal and that's to talk about fucking true crime mm-hmm. and just tell everyone about it everywhere so i think we've accomplished that through yeah. our shameless promoting mm-hmm. <laughs> and 10 episodes now so that's Woo! very exciting that's plenty of content sure should we just call it quits now <laughs> Just kidding. We, we kind of have a lot planned. So. Oh, true. We have just planned. Me and Katie were real businesswomen mm-hmm. not too long ago. We planned up until episode like 24. Yeah. Which is a long time. It is a very long time. It takes us to December, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, so we're good with um, topics till December. Yeah, so no big deal, but... Yeah. Oh, but um, if anyone listening has any cases that they'd like for us to talk about, um, send us a DM or an email and let us know and... You know, what we decided for cases that we're covering isn't set in stone. So if someone right. sends in a case that we're like, this really needs to be talked about, we'll yeah. totally cover it. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, shoot us an email or a DM or something. Yes, please, because we love to read them and mm-hmm. just love... It makes me feel like I have friends, you know? <laughs> um, but it's nice to get those DMs mm-hmm. and hear what you guys have to say and then your suggestions, because we, we seriously add them all to the list. Yeah. Every single one. We're like, oh my god, yeah. We have a big spreadsheet. It's great. Today, our case is based out of Vermont, and it's it's rough. Um, you know, we always like to give warnings before mm-hmm. our cases, just because it's upsetting. Some of the cases are very graphic in nature, and it can be very hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. I know even sometimes, like, talking about it and reading about it can be difficult um, as well. So just our general pre-episode warning that it does get pretty graphic and um if you are typically um more triggered or censored by um sensitive to like crimes against young adult women like these are teenagers who are Mm. getting raped and murdered so if you are more inclined to be um extra upset about that or you don't think you can handle it 
we understand. Get on out of here. No mm-hmm. worries. No hard feelings. Yeah, no stress. Um, this was kind of brutal to research, so yeah. it's I can imagine it would be brutal to hear. Yes. So but yeah, if that stuff is not for you, no problem. We will see you on the next episode. Yeah. And without further ado, we will be doing the case of Gary, Gary Lee Schaefer. Alright, so, as we like to begin every show, Katie, your sources, please. Murderpedia. Always. Amazing. The Orlando Sentinel did a really great article on this, about one of the victims especially. Yes. Um, I found something from the New York Times, and then this article by Damien T. Fisher, it's called Fascinated by Violence. It's about a criminal profiler that was really... Um, really important in this case. Mm-hmm. So I found really cool. I read that too. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. It was so good. Oh my god, yeah. I also found a Prezi. Ooh. Yeah, if you guys haven't heard of Prezi, it was something we used in like middle school. Oh my god, I was just thinking about that the other day. Yeah. It's like a very um, interactive and mm-hmm. movie like kind of presentation, like slideshow. It's very cool. I found a really good one called The Shadow of Death about this. And then I also got um, something from a podcast called Thrice Cursed. Mm-hmm. She did a fantastic job talking about this case. So I got some of my information from that as well, as well as all of the sources you said. So <laughs> sweet. Yeah. All right. Let's get started. Yeah. So April 9th, 1983, Katie Richards and her friend Rachel Zetz, Zietz, were walking home from a pizza parlor around like 4.30. They were just coming from like the last rehearsal before a dance recital and they were celebrating they wanted to play arcade games Mm -hmm. and have some pizza enjoy themselves to kind of like celebrate pre-recital stuff um they got there the game they wanted to play was packed full of kids they weren't letting them play and the line was too long for pizza so they were like screw it and they started walking home Mm -hmm. you know when they were walking home this man stopped his car and he asked them for directions now this is like a rule that everyone knows now grown men don't ask children for directions they don't need to ask children for directions Mm -hmm. especially young girls or women right why are you bothering them on the street yep you are he clearly is looking for trouble exactly not necessary So this was around 5.15 when this man stopped his car and asked them for directions. And unfortunately, Katie was, I mean, she was very friendly and she actually asked him if he was lost and he said yes. And so she was going to give him directions when he stepped out of the car with a gun and said he would kill the two girls if they didn't get in the car. Mm -hmm. Now, Rachel was very brave. She ran away. She ran up the hill they were near, and she ran away. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Katie wasn't so lucky. She um, ended up in the car with this man because she was horrified. Mm -hmm. This girl's 11 years old. She's she's a baby. 11 is so young. And her friend Rachel said that when she looked back, um, she saw her best friend in the car with him. Mm -hmm. And then she also elaborated and said that... um, her best friend Catherine, affectionately known as Katie, had froze in fear when yeah. he pulled out the gun, and she just did not know how to react. Yeah. So, really, really sad. 
And, you know, she said she looked back and Katie was in the car crying. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time anyone saw Katie alive. Now, Rachel, she, you know, she ran and she got to a, the nearest house on the hill and they called 911. And essentially, she, you know, said he, you know, this guy he attacked my me and my friend. He's threatened to kill us. And she, he took her. And he described, you know, as much as she could of this guy. She described what he was wearing. And she said that it was a shirt that looked like a shirt that her friend from school wears. Mm -hmm. And it was like a specific shirt from like a church. So she recognized that, which is really impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, you know, she really took time describing it. And the police were like, I think we know who that is. This girl, I mean... To be so brave as to not only run away and try to go get help, Mm -hmm. to remember all of these things. Mm -hmm. So she was able to tell the police that this man was wearing the sweatshirt. Um, The boy's name in her class was named Joel DiLorenzo. um, And they discovered that this church was from the Christadelphians church. Um, So they figured out that these sweatshirts were made during a youth group event. Right. Um, and that the only adult that would have had one was 31-year-old Gary Lee Schaefer, and he was a car mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine, or Katie's mom, her name's Rosalise, she begged and pleaded the police to search, and they were like, D- no, don't worry about it. We got this guy. We know exactly who it is. We'll mm-hmm. get your daughter. No problem. Um, Katie's father, his name's Charles, Charles Thayer. He was actually a pilot, and he had his pilot's license license and owned a plane. Right. He's telling police, you know, no problem. I can search from the air, get a bird's eye view. We'll totally Mm -hmm. find her. They forbade him. I don't know why. They were like, no, no way. You're not doing this. You don't have permission. So the police had actually not only refused to let her father search from the plane. Mm -hmm. That'd be the best idea. You get a bird's eye view. Yeah. He's trying to explain the logic to them, which he should not have to be doing. Right. But they're like, no, no, we got this. We know the guy. Not only did they do that to Katie's father, they actually parked a police cruiser at the end of their driveway to barricade them in Mm -hmm. to prevent the parents from searching on their own by car. Isn't that ridiculous? What the fuck? If someone wants to go look for their child who's been abducted... Physically, like, it's proven that she was abducted. She wasn't a runaway. She didn't get lost. No, there's eyewitness accounts. Her best friend saw her get snatched. And they why? I don't... It blows your mind. And they wouldn't let the, um, the Thayers use their phone. They said they weren't allowed to use their phone. They blocked um, their phone service. And said they weren't allowed to make calls to ask people to search. What the fuck? Like, why? My brain doesn't comprehend why they would do that. And this girl's 11. You would think that you would want all hands on deck to go look for this girl. Yeah. Organize a search party, raise awareness. Hey, maybe she was dropped off somewhere. Someone right. saw her. Maybe another person saw where she was headed in the car. Right. But no, the police would not let them help her. Ridiculous. Um, the worst part about this is that, so her mom and her dad, they searched by foot, on foot. Right. Yep. Late at night, took a little break, Mm -hmm. searched all throughout the day, Mm -hmm. and then around 2 p.m., Katie's mom called the police station for an update. She called them. She had to call them. They, she hadn't heard from them. Right. So she's like, all right, let's, let me call for an update. Let's see if they've heard anything. Let's see if anybody's come forward with information. Yeah. They tell her after they're searching and, and all of this. Yeah. 
they inform her that Catherine's body had been found an hour and a half earlier. Yeah. Before her mother called. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? I, I can't even process. She literally called them. They did not call her to say we found her. No, no. They waited till she called and said, oh yeah, by the way, we found your daughter's dead body. Yeah, now come to the station to identify her. Are you kidding me? It, it's fucked up. And um, so they had Katie's older brother. His name was Tom Craig. Mm-hmm. They had him come. He had come to help search for Katie. They had him identify the body. And he said the only recognizable part of her body was her braces and her freckles. Her face was beaten so bad. They think with a rock. Mm-hmm. Um, her face was beaten so bad that even her own brother almost couldn't recognize her. And their, the police prevented, literally prevented the family from searching for their own daughter. And this is what happened. She was found less than 24 hours after she was abducted. The autopsy revealed that she had passed away at about 8.15 that same night. Yeah. So a little less than four hours from when she was abducted. Yeah. So her parents fully believe that if the police had searched, had yeah. gone out to search, yeah. and had allowed them to search as well they would have found her alive and prevented her murder. And I 1,000% agree with her parents on this. Me too. This could have been prevented if the police had done their job. Once again. Once Right. Once again. This is not the first time, won't be the last, that we talk about this. No. Because it's ridiculous. It is. This little girl's life was lost. And part of the reason was because the police were like, no, no. We think we know who it is. Once we find him, she'll be safe. Right, like, what are you doing sitting at the station? If you know who this guy is, go get Get him. him. Yeah. Yeah. Go get him. You know who he is. Oh, yeah. And she was found only 2.2 miles from where she was abducted. She was right there. Yep. I know. Guys, Katie's face right now. Like, I don't understand. It just doesn't make sense. It It, just, it fucking sucks. It really does. I... Fucking sucks. Now, ultimately, you know, with this coverage on the news, basically, you know, they tracked down Gary Lee Schaefer, like you said, um, because that's who they thought was the killer. And this 16 year old girl was watching at home. She was also in Springfield, Vermont, and she saw his picture on the news and she was shocked. Because that was the same man that had attempted to abduct her and tried to kill her and did rape her about, I want to say it was less than a year prior. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get into um, the 1982 abduction survivor. Her name is Deanna Buxton, but there's other places where she went by Dana Thurston. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think her preferred legal name is Deanna Buxton. She was actually, this was in 1982, Mm -hmm. she was looking to hitchhike from Brattleboro, Vermont, to Rutland, Vermont. And if you listen to our episode five, we talk about Rutland, Vermont. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so she was looking to hitchhike. Again, this is the 80s. Everyone hitchhikes. So she's 16. She wants to hitchhike, visit her boyfriend who's in prison at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, a young man pulled over and offered her a ride. Now, she said he was in, like, a red car with Vermont plates, Mm -hmm. and she said he was fairly friendly at first. They were having a conversation, you know, just 
he was asking her questions. He said that he was recently divorced, had three daughters. Um, it just was like she was getting a ride from a guy like she hitchhiked, you know, that was her purpose. At one point he stopped to go to the bathroom and when he got back, he literally pulled a shotgun out of the back of his car, like behind his driver's seat, and then told Deanna to do whatever he want he wanted or he would kill her. He said, don't try to run away, scream, or I'll kill you. Yep. I would have died inside. Yep. Jesus Christ. Yep. He then actually showed her that the gun was loaded. Like, he mm-hmm. undid the barrel. It was like, I don't know if that's the right term. And, like, showed her that there were bullets in the gun. Yeah. So he's not bluffing. Like, no. No. Oh. In this point, he asked her to... Well, he didn't ask her. He forced her to take off her underwear. Um, and he also made her drink liquor. Um, again, she's 16. Um, and he said, basically, we'll get drunk and then we'll have some fun. Yeah. So he's forcing her to drink now and he took off her pants her underwear and like put them in the back seat of her car mm-hmm. of his car so now she's vulnerable and he's forcing her to get drunk i would have lost my shit so um he had grabbed a bottle of colt 45 malt liquor um and he's drinking some he's forcing her to drink most of it but he's taking a sip here and there yeah um all throughout this, she's pleading with him, yeah. don't hurt me, please don't hurt me, please don't hurt me, and he keeps saying, if you do what I tell you to do, mm-hmm. no one's going to get hurt. Yeah. Um, he actually starts groping her. Mm-hmm. He pulls off of where he had pulled off from, um, yeah. if that makes sense. He gets back on the road and he starts driving, but now he's driving with one hand on the wheel and he's groping her with the other. Yeah. And she gets really uncomfortable. Yeah. And she just, you know, instinctually pushes his hand away. Mm-hmm. And this flips a switch. Oh and he God. goes from talking... He was talking with her about, you know, sex and... being very Yeah, being very vulgar yeah. with her and inappropriate. Yeah. Um, and he knows that she's 16 years old. Yeah. Um, he, when he was asking her questions about herself. Mm-hmm. And he also learned that she was a ward of the state. Um, so what this means is that... We use the term kind of for, you know, foster kids when the state has custody over the child, Mm -hmm. um, when there's no parent or guardian really involved. So that's kind of what a ward of the state is loosely. Mm -hmm. So he learned that she was a ward of the state. So, you know, no parents probably, no one to really look out for her. Right. So he saw this as an opportunity. Um, After she pushes his hand away, he flips the switch. Mm -hmm. He starts talking about war. Because he had told her that he had served in the Navy. Right. So he's telling her details Mm -hmm. about how men overseas will rape the women there because they are at their mercy. Right. And he also tells her that he likes to rape girls and that he had had to previously kill two other girls that he had raped because they didn't listen to him Mm -hmm. and tried to fight back. Yeah. And he told her, that won't happen to you if you just listen to what I say and do what I tell you to do. Right. So, he just confessed to killing two girls and war crimes overseas. (laughs) Yeah. And this girl sitting there, inebriated, Mm -hmm. terrified. I don't like... This man is off the wall. (sighs) He's unhinged. And he's inebriated. He's driving them drunk. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. He showed her a loaded gun. And said, I will kill you. And he's groping her and molesting her. Yeah. While he's driving. While he's driving. Yeah. And drunk. Yeah. 
This is when he pulled over and actually made her drive. So he made her drive and it was his claim, which is disgusting, that he no longer wanted to focus on the road, but he wanted to have his hands free so he could do whatever he wanted to her. Ugh. While she's driving, she's drunk by his force. He's drunk and he's groping her. And also she's a teenager. I don't know if she had her license. How do you not crash the car? I don't know. She kept it going. I would... Oh my God. She was so fucking brave. This girl's a badass. Yep. She is such yep. a badass. How she didn't flip the car either on accident or on purpose i know she's very strong she kept a cool head and she really just tried to focus and yep. get herself out of that situation basically i think her survival kicked in and she said mm -hmm. i have to do whatever he wants in order to survive mm -hmm. now eventually she was drinking the liquor again he was forcing her and he was drinking it so they ran out so eventually they stopped at a liquor store and he like literally made her go in the liquor store with him. And when he wasn't um, paying attention, she mouthed, please help me to the clerk. And the clerk just kind of like looked at her like, yeah, he didn't understand. Uh, yeah. And so I don't know, I can't even believe this. It didn't work. He just was like, okay. It ended with her getting back in his car. It didn't work. It literally did not work. Imagine the terror on this poor girl's face. She was this close. And this dumbass clerk at a gas station was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I don't lip read. I'm sorry. Like, <sighs> so she gets back in his car. She did. And then she was feeling sick. I'm sure she'd been feeling sick this whole time. Mm -hmm. And she said to Gary, she said, I think I'm going to throw up. He did not like this. He was like, oh, no, no, no. So he pulled the car over in front of a convenience store and told her to go get some Rolaids. And he said, I'll be watching you, so don't do any funny business. But he literally let her in the store by herself. Holy fuck. And I don't think it was because he trusted her. I think it was because he was fucking hammered. Mm -hmm. And he didn't realize, like, his, obviously, <laughs> it doesn't make, you know, it sounds bad with this case we're talking about. But, like, when you're drinking, your inhibitions are skewed. So not only did he have his fucked up brain, but now he's drunk and he's like, so yeah. he didn't realize. And I'm also wondering too, she told him, I don't want to be sick in your car. Yeah. So now he's thinking either selfishly, what if she gets vomit in my nice car? Sure. Or two, what if she gets her DNA yeah. all yeah. over my car? Yeah. You know, I don't want her bodily fluids all over my car. So this is able to, so they're able to track it. Makes you know? sense. Like, get out of the car, go be sick. I don't want to be anywhere near your vomit. Right, right. I don't need your bodily fluids on me or the car. Right. Go inside. Right. Whether she genuinely was going to be sick or right. she was thinking quickly and just mm -hmm. lied to him, good for her. Yeah. Good for her for trying anything and everything to get away from this guy. Because it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unlike the last time where the clerk was an idiot, she got in there, she said she counted how many people were in there and realized it was like three men and a woman or something like that. And she realized that, oh, we can outnumber him. I think that's what she was probably thinking. And so she said to someone, she said, help me. She burst out. She's like, help me. Someone help me. And she said she was terrified because the guy who was like at the counter, like paying for his stuff, like walked, was like heard this and just walked past her out the door. But really what he was doing was surveying Gary and he went back and was like, this guy, he ultimately saved her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. So this guy that she, you know, called to for help had confronted Gary and was mm -hmm. like, what the fuck are you doing to her? Yeah. And, 
Gary's response was, I don't even know her, and, like, peeled off. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Pussy. Yeah. Yeah. So Deanna runs back inside to call 911, have someone call 911. Um, And then this girl, the description she was able to give. So thorough. Oh, my God. You know, she was able to give a description so accurately, and yet these bozo-ass cops are scratching their heads. They're like, oh, I don't know. This really rude. Yeah. I'm sorry. He had two eyes? I don't think, uh... No, we just, like, one eye people. Like, he was... I can't even. Like, give me a fucking break. So this girl, she was able to give a description. Mm -hmm. She told detectives that he had a pink registration sticker on the car (laughs) from July 24th, 1982. Yeah. Are you kidding? Very specific. Hello, go get him. You'd think, right? She was able to give a description of the inside of the car. He had a Playboy Bunny sticker on one side. Right. You know, the, the interior of the car, is his seat cover. Sheepskin, I think mm-hmm. they said, yeah. What he looked like, what he was wearing, yeah. his haircut down to the moles yeah. on his face. Yeah. She's handing it over to them. And they were like, all right, thank you. All right, go Come fuck again. yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking awful. Like, they gave her, they pretty much, she gave them literally the person. What they needed. Yeah. And they didn't do shit. Because, like, we talked about the top of this story. Um, he killed someone else, like, a year later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what's crazy is that, you know, the police kind of, like, had an idea. They were like, that sounds like Gary Schaefer. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, huh. But on the way home, or wherever he was going, Gary Schaefer, he crashed his car. Um, probably because he was drunk and freaking out. And so he totaled his car. Now, for some fucking reason, the police, the state police and then the local police didn't connect that the guy who crashed his car was the same guy that sexually assaulted, tried to kill this teenage girl. They didn't connect that. They had no idea. hmm Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. So a woman had passed by the car wreck yeah. and he's like, call 911, call 911. And then something clicks and he realizes, my car is full of evidence. Yeah. I have her clothes in my back seat. Yep. I have all this other shit. I have the gun. Yep. I have the empty bottle of liquor. Mm-hmm. He's taking it in armfuls and going off into the woods and burying it. Yep. Like, in a shallow kind of hole. Dumbass. And so the cops show up and they're like, oh, hey, what's going on? And they look at his registration and this is his car. Mm-hmm. Gary Lee Schaefer is right there on the registration. Yeah. Do they pin him with this? No. No. God forbid, right? Yeah. So basically throwing it back or forward to when, you know, Katie is found after being abducted about 20 hours prior. Mm -hmm. And Deanna goes and she's like, that's literally the guy who raped me and tried to kill me. And they were like, oh. Well, huh. Interesting. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. I don't even... Uh, so about Gary Lee Schaefer. This piece of garbage. Born in 1951. His father was super violent. His mom let it happen. Um, he was sexually abused as a child, which is unfortunate, and I'm sorry to hear that, but he is a piece of shit. Um, 
apparently, you know, his family was very, very withdrawn from their community because they were a part of this church, mm -hmm. um, the Christadelphian church, which to me sounds like a bunch of hokey. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a cult yeah, to me, a but little bit. sorry if anyone is part of that, but, you yeah. know. Not sorry. Um, but so his family, you know, was just so withdrawn. Um, eventually he got out and served in the Navy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so different. It's so interesting because apparently at every Navy base he was at, there was a report of a missing girl, like a young girl. So, I mean, what we're telling you now to that, I mean, it kind of connects kind of nicely. Yeah, just a little bit. It's yeah. a little more than a little dink, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, in the Navy, he was charged with the possession of illegal drugs. Mm -hmm. Oh, and arson. <laughs> and so, you know, he pled guilty to these charges, like to the Navy board or whatever, because he, he said he was guilty by reason of insanity. Mm -hmm. And they were like, mm, no, you're not insane. And they were like, you're discharged. So they discharged him from the Navy. And then after he got back from the Navy, he rejoined that Christadelphian church. Mm -hmm. um, he was especially interested in the youth group. And he took the youth group out on his own three times a week to a nursing home. Mm, isn't that nice? Um, and, you know, when he was arrested, he was an auto mechanic and he was living with his mom and his brother. Mm -hmm. So he was a piece of shit in conclusion. Now, what's crazy is that through Deanna's, you know, accounts of him and Katie's body, they realized that he was connected to two other murders that had happened previously to young girls in that town, in that area. They connected him to them. Um, so we'll be talking about those right now. The first one is Sherry Nastasia. Mm -hmm. She's 13 years old, and she lived with her younger brother in Springfield, Vermont, which is where um, this was all taking place anyway. Um, their father lived with them, too, of course, but he was a truck driver, and he was gone a lot. So it kind of just left them. I wrote in my notes, um, they never had a babysitter because they were latchkey kids. Yeah, they were just, you know... They yeah. took care of themselves. Right. And Sherry was responsible for her little brother. Um, he was 11 at the time. Yeah. Um, so what was crazy is that Sherry, Sherry's dad and the brother, they were all living in an apartment complex. Um, and this was actually owned by Schaefer's brother. Yeah. So he kind of used that as an in. Mm -hmm. um, on August 28th, 1979. So we're throwing it back a couple years. Yeah. Um, Sherry was walking around shopping in a plaza with her little brother. Um, they split off and she went to do her own thing as any young teenage girl would do who was sick of wait babysitting. For me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm tired of watching you. I'm, I'm not babysitting you anymore. Yeah. Go home. I'll yeah. meet you at home. Yeah. Um, but she didn't end up coming home that night. Mm -hmm. One of her neighbors actually reported seeing her getting into a car. Um, he said it was possibly a Pontiac Firebird, mm -hmm. potentially, but he wasn't sure. It was yeah. around midnight that night, and it was dark. Yeah. So he didn't want to give the wrong description of the car right. or give a definitive answer when he wasn't sure, but right. he said that's what that's what he thought it could be. Right. Um, when Sherry did not come home, this raised red flags to everybody, neighbors, yeah. friends, family, because she was responsible for her little brother, and yeah. she was also a very responsible kid in general, mm -hmm. and she would not just disappear and go run off. Yeah. So this was a little scary 
um, that she would just go off without at least checking on her brother or making sure that he was okay or taken care of. It just was not like her at all. Yeah. So they were starting to get a little suspicious. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, almost three months, actually it was over three months, three and a half-ish months after she was missing, her body was found in the snow by a trucker at a rest stop. Um, And then, of course, due to being um, exposed and the time, her body was super decomposed. So it was hard to identify her. Um, Ultimately, they identified her through her dental records, Mm -hmm. and it showed she had several broken ribs and her her leg was broken. Um, Unfortunately, the medical examiner was unable to determine how she died. They, uh, They said that a lot of her bones were missing. Which, of course, could have been from exposure, you know, animals, or that could have been the killer. Um, But the medical examiner speculated that maybe she was strangled because her hyoid bone was missing. And for those of you who don't know, the hyoid bone is a bone that's in, it's very small, it's in your throat. And a lot of times, um, if you're strangled or, like, you're hung, um, that bone breaks. Um, So that's, like, an indication of strangulation. That's an indication of strangulation. Mm -hmm. So... They were thinking maybe that, but it was never confirmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was Sherry Nastasia. Let's talk about the other one. So this is Teresa Fenton. And this is horrible because on August 29th, 1981, this is almost two years to the day of Sherry's disappearance. Yeah. Um, so Teresa Fenton, she's 12. She goes missing. Um, she'd asked her parents if she could go on a bike ride after dinner. She said she wanted to do, like, a four-mile loop or something. Right. After Sherry had disappeared and there was another girl named Melissa who had disappeared and was killed. um, Unrelated. Unrelated. Melissa's not related to any of this. But, um, you know, it was a crime that shocked the town. And so everybody's looking after their little girls, even even more so now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, Teresa's mom especially was like, four miles is way too far. Yeah. You know, what if you just do a two-mile loop instead? Yeah. So they had kind of a system. So what they would do is they would say, they would kind of challenge Teresa mm-hmm. and be like, I want you home in less than an hour, mm-hmm. let's say. Yeah. I bet you can't do that loop in 40 minutes and yeah. we'll give you a 10-minute grace period. Right. No problem. Genius. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the 40 minutes passed, the 10-minute grace period passed yeah. within minutes. They are out. Yep. Neighbors are informed. Everybody's searching. Yep. And that is the way to do it. Oh, my God, yeah. That is, because if even if it's something minor, you know, she went off the path to pick flowers right. or she fell off her bike and sprained her wrist, you know. Yeah. Then people can respond and make sure that she's okay. This genius. is genius. Yes. And for this to happen in the 80s, yeah. that's very impressive. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Very impressive. So when Teresa did not come home... Um, she was supposed to return home by 6.30 at the absolute latest. Yeah. And, you know, she didn't come home, and so right. the neighbors are out searching. Right. So it's around 8.30 when they're walking along and they're searching, and I think it's her dad shines, you know, has a flashlight, and the light catches on a bike, and it's Teresa's bike, and it's standing up on the side of the road. And this is when they were like, oh, fuck. They were so nervous. They were like, this cannot be good. Um, you know, so this is the point where the police and, you know, search crews join and they do anything. I mean, they stay until like 2.30 a.m. So Mm -hmm. it's like six hours later. Yep. And they stop, take a break and start again at 6 a.m. when the sun rises. 
unfortunately, you know, even with divers searching the rivers and there was a helicopter overhead and search teams in the woods and the forest and along the path, um, they couldn't find anything. Until about 24 hours later, mm-hmm. a man was fishing with his two children and he, they found Teresa. Now, Teresa was still alive. Um, they found her like part, almost completely buried in the debris and dirt with only like her arms sticking out. And the reason that they said that they found her was because she was moaning, like in pain. Oh my God. I mean, it sounds like she was unconscious at this point. This mm-hmm. was like unconscious moaning because she was brutally, brutally attacked. So of course, you know, they rush her to the hospital because she's still alive. Unfortunately, Teresa does pass away from her injuries. Mm-hmm. Um... She died about 48 hours after her disappearance, so about 24 hours after she was found. Um, Which is just, it breaks your heart because she was, you know, she was found. She was so close and her injuries were so extensive. Mm -hmm. She had a deep, like, blow to the base of her skull, which is devastating. That Mm is not only super fucking painful, but does so much damage. Like a ton to your brain, your brain stem, um, your skull, which of course protects your brain and your brain stem. Not, it's not good. It's it's so scary. So they said overall in total she had suffered six blows to the head, yeah. um, and then more to the face because yeah. of um, facial bruising and broken teeth and such. Yeah. Um, and she was beaten, raped, and then left to die, buried yeah. partially and left to die. Yeah. Um, What's really fucked is that an eyewitness came forward after all of this. And, you know, the neighbors are really close and everybody looks out for each other's kids. And Mm -hmm. a neighbor had said that they had passed Teresa on her bike. They're like, okay, you know, she's biking, everything's good. And they just happened to glance up into their rearview mirror Mm -hmm. and see another car driving. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, this, this person keeps driving and they look back and they see the other car slow down, stop. And then reverse. Yeah. To back up next to Teresa. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Like my skin is crawling. Imagine yeah. being a twelve-year-old girl on a bike and having some freak. Yeah. Stop and then reverse slowly yeah. to be level with you. Oh my god! So fuck creepy. No. So creepy. And oh. then it ended up being Gary Lee Schaefer. Mm-hmm. He was the one who had killed Sherry Nastasia, Teresa Fenton. Katie Richards, and then also the attempted abduction, and he did rape and molest Deanna Buxton. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, they did go and they catch Gary Lee Schaefer. They they searched his house, they searched his room, they found the very sweatshirt that Katie's friend Rachel described, um, and they found plenty of pornographic magazines and things like that in his room, so they were like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, that was the guy. Yep. So he had the audacity to, while the police are searching his home, he excused himself to vomit in the bathroom. Oh, right. You fucking pussy. Are you kidding me? Yeah, seriously. Are you joking? You killed all those girls yeah. and brutally raped and tortured them. And you tried to rape and murder another. And yeah. you're here throwing up in the bathroom. Because you're so anxious. Like, Come on. Boo hoo. So, it's crazy because Catherine's mother, she had written a letter to Schaefer, and she accused him of the murder of her daughter, 
and she challenged him to confess his sins, you know, because he he's, he's acting religious. like he's such a big member of this church. Oh, my God. So this letter was actually a huge factor in Gary's confession, mm-hmm. and he not only confessed to the murders of Katie and Teresa, but the rape of Deanna as well. Yeah. So he never confessed to the murder of Sherry, yeah. which... Interesting. Is very interesting. Um, Authorities don't actually believe that Sherry was one of the victims. I don't know how much I trust these authorities, given (laughs) how they handled these other cases. Oh, yeah. But to be fair, um, Gary never confessed to any of the murders of the young girls that were turning up at his bases either. Yeah. So it is possible that he does have more victims, which I'm fully convinced he does. Oh, I believe so as well. Um, but there was actually another prevalent serial killer at this time mm-hmm. around this area that yeah. we'll talk about in another episode, the Connecticut River Killer. Yeah. So authorities speculate that Sherry was one of his victims rather than one of Gary's. She was found near, like, along the Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's possible. But you know what? I don't really believe a word Gary says. No. Nope. And I don't really trust these authorities because nope. who parks their cruiser and blocks in concerned parents from searching by car for their own kid. I literally can't even, I don't know. So fucked up. Yeah. So Gary was sentenced to 30 years to life in January of 1984, and he was set to serve his sentence at the federal penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas. Oh. He can go rot there. Yeah. I found that he was killed in prison. Beautiful. Now, I'm not 100% sure if this is true or not, because every time you search Gary Lee Schaefer, another man comes up. Yes. Ger- it's like Gerard John Schaefer. Schaefer. Mm-hmm. He was, he's known as the cop killer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's from, I want to say Florida. Um, so I'm not 100% sure if Gary Lee Schaefer is dead. But there was one place I found that said Gary died in 1995 after being stabbed in the face 40 plus times. And so. being cut throat, like, ear to ear on his throat. You know what? That is the prison justice system. Yeah. If you touch kids and rape uh-huh. and murder kids, uh-huh. you are going to get your ass handed to you in prison. Yep. yep, yep, yep. As you should. Yep. And that's why I can't imagine it's this other guy, the cop killer, because mm-hmm. I don't think other inmates would do vigilante justice for someone who killed cops. Right. So that's why I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure that was our guy, Gary Lee. Kids, though... A thousand percent. Yeah, it's a death sentence automatically. Mm -hmm. And honestly good. Yeah, fucking bye. Yeah. This piece of garbage raped and killed at least three girls. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely more if he... For sure more. The Navy bases. Yep. Piece of shit. So what's crazy about this case is that a man named John Philpin, he's now 69 years old and retired, but he had found himself working in psych... And he had developed a fascination for violence, and that's the title Ooh. of the article written about him. Okay. Um, he thinks it stems from his own upbringing with a violent father. Oh. Um, so he was always kind of surrounded by a powder keg, is what they refer to as oh, his home. Yeah. Um, so he had actually worked... This guy's so cool. <laughs> he worked to develop profiles for serial killers, mm-hmm. and he was working on building profiles around the same time the FBI was starting to do so. Yeah. So it was kind of a new practice. Right. Um, but he actually was living in Vermont at the time. Mm-hmm. And when all of these girls started going missing, he was like, we have a serial killer here. Mm-hmm. Let me figure out who this guy is. Mm-hmm. He built this profile. He had 39 points um, on the profile that he conducted for this guy, his mm-hmm. his killer. Right. 
And when Gary Lee Schaefer was apprehended, he hit 37 out of 39 of them. Jesus Christ. So this guy, John Philpin, is like a genius. Yes. So some of the things that he said was he had guessed that this man would be a member of the local community and that someone with a repressed background who grew up around sexual abuse (gasps) and violence in the home. Oh, my God. He speculated that this man would have an abusive father and an absent mother or a mother who did not care and just let it happen. Mm -hmm. He thought that this person was involved in the community so that these girls felt like they could trust him. Right. And go over to talk to him. Right. Um, And then he thought that this man had an ego problem because when these girls resisted or fought back... He got offended and upset and then killed them. Oh, my God. Which is basically what he told Deanna. He said, the two other girls fought me back and I had to kill them. Yeah. If you just listen to what I'll tell you to do, I'm not going to kill right. you. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so crazy. And this is what we just talked about. This is what Gary went through with his, his father yeah. and his mother and the abusive home. They conducted a psychiatric evaluation on Gary. And it was revealed that, quote... Schieffer confuses his victims with a young woman who sexually humiliated him when he was 10 or 11, and his victims are about the same age and look similar. That's awful. So this guy is a sick fuck. Yeah. And he's taking out his personal problems on these young girls. Yeah. Because I know plenty of people who have had a rough life, a rough upbringing, Mm -hmm. you know, experienced sexual assault or abuse themselves. Mm -hmm. They're not going around killing people and raping and murdering little girls. No! Nothing can no. justify that. I don't. I'm no. sorry. I don't no. care what kind of an upbringing you have. Nothing justifies this behavior. Absolutely not. No. So, fucked. Yep. That is the absolutely fucked up story of Gary Lee Schaefer and his terrible fucking crimes in mm-hmm. Vermont. Mm-hmm. Another good one for your listening holes. Just fucking. Yeah, so we will talk about the Connecticut River Killer another day yes. in another episode. Yes. Um, because it's kind of speculated, you know, some of the victims kind of cross cross over with the same time period. But Yeah, I think yeah. even the girl you mentioned that um, Teresa's mom was thinking of. Melissa. Uh, Melissa, I think she was a victim of the Connecticut River. Wow. Yeah, so it's... Uh, yeah. It's a lot. It's crazy but, how... Yeah. Two serial killers could be operating in the same area around the same time. Oh, it happens, though. It does happen, and it makes it harder for law enforcement to figure out whose victim belongs to who. Right. Or what's going on. Right. Not that these guys were experts in trying real hard to solve these, but, you know. Can you just imagine if they were actually, like, good at their jobs? Anyway. (laughs) They fully could have prevented Catherine's death. Oh, 100%. No, there's no doubt about that. And what's actually crazy is they could have prevented her abduction, too, if they had listened to Deanna in the first place and had figured that out and done their jobs. Yep. No, yeah. Yep. (sighs) So that is the case of Gary Lee Schaefer. He's fucked up. Mm -hmm. So I can't even deal with that. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's all we got for you today. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TrueCrimeNE. All lowercase. Or you can email us at TrueCrimeNE at gmail.com. Please do us a favor, leave a review, leave a rate. We love to hear from you guys. Whatever you have to say. For sure. Please let us know. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Goodbye.